Welcome to this episode of Patient Voices in HIV Management, a CE podcast series. If you are seeking continuing education credit, please review the disclosures and the requirements for a successful completion of the activity prior to listening to the podcast. A link is found in the show notes that can direct you to this information. After listening to the podcast, please go to practice.cme.com to complete the post-test and evaluation to receive continuing education credit. Joining us in this episode is Dr. David Wall and his patient, a woman with long-term HIV infection and experience with a number of ART regimens. I'm Dr. David Wall. I'm a professor of medicine at the Division of Infectious Diseases at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And I've been practicing uh, infectious diseases and HIV care for well over 20 years. And a really nice part of being able to be doing this for as long as I have been is getting to know people really well. So I'm very, very happy today to have one such individual who's been in my life for quite a while, and I'm sure me and hers. So thank you for being here and thank you for taking part in this discussion with me today. And and what I'll always remember is you moved from New York City where I grew up and you moved to our area. But if I remember correctly, you moved here um, because you were coming to care for your mom who was sick at the time. Is that right? Yes, I did. And it was around 2011, 2011. But you had, before moving from New York City to here in our area, you had been living with HIV for quite some time. I think you were first diagnosed in the mid-90s. We haven't really talked about your past before. So it's kind of interesting to me to hear maybe from your perspective, like how you got tested, what things were like back then. Oh, 28 years ago, I was in shock, of course, and it started with, I kept getting yeast infections and I couldn't figure out why. So I went to the doctor and uh, they asked me, did I want to take an HIV test? And I was like, for what? (laughs) But because as far as I was concerned, there was no way I could have had HIV. But anyway, I did take the test. I agreed. Never thought it would be positive, was totally shocked when they said it was positive. And I mostly because back then all you heard was that um, there's no cure, no hope, and it's almost considered a death sentence. And then what happened? Like, like, did you seek out care right away? Did you wait a while? Did you tell anybody? Well, What happened was, no, I didn't tell anyone at first, but my primary doctor, I don't know whether you remember back then, they had the hip centers. Yeah. And my primary doctor was very, very nice. And he talked to me and he told me, you know, not to give up. I'm going to make sure I find you a specialist that you can go to and um, they can help you and tell you more. And he did. And I started off with um, quite a few specialists, but they all were basically the same. They kind of was a little standoffish and I felt like um, they were showing me that there was no hope. They 
you know, but um, actually after I got on medication, it was even worse because almost every medication they gave me was, um, I couldn't tolerate it. It just made me so sick. So I had one girlfriend and one guy that was a friend. And I told them, I finally told them and they supported me. They made me feel, you know, like as long as you don't give up, there's hope. You never know what's going to happen. They may find a cure, you know. So, and I did. I So I kept going because of that. Yeah, I know you had a really rocky road in getting on medications. And then, of course, the road was being paved as you were going down it and newer medications were coming out. And, mm -hmm. and I know eventually, eventually you hooked up with a doctor there who who was very helpful for you, right? Yes. Supportive. It was, um, actually, I had a close friend that worked to the hospital where this doctor was. Mm -hmm. And she said that he was very good, well-known specialist, and he was a nice man, and I really should try, you know, to see him. So she did help me with an appointment, and he accepted me. He told me that there was a couple of different type tests he could do to determine why or which different medicine was making me sick. And maybe he can come up with a combination that wouldn't make me sick. And the first couple of ones I tried, they didn't work. So finally, we got to the right one. And it was an odd combination because he said he had never used it before, but it worked. But it's been over 15 years and I've been taking the same medication and it's been fine. I haven't had any side effects, any problems. So I was really grateful for him. Yeah, no, I remember um, he had called me and he had told me your story. We, we have not messed with your medicines because <laughs> it's worked really well for you. You, you've done a fantastic job and we, we haven't talked about it, but you're now, you're now, how old are you now? 75? Yes. Yes. So you're youthful 75. You've kept up your health remarkably well. You're spry. You do all sorts of things. You're active. You're engaging. Mm -hmm. You learn. You're a learner. You, you've learned new things over time. So give me Give me a little bit of a sense too, because you talked about how stigmatized you felt internally and what you were worried about other people maybe thinking of you. Do you think that's changed since then to now? It's changed somewhat. Only I, I feel like it's because I listen a lot to other people. And I feel like one of the reasons why it shifted a lot, because it is in every other family, at least one person. And so they don't talk about it the same way. But when this first happened, even the people in the church was like, it was almost like they thought it was your fault. It was, you're a sinner. If you hadn't been sinning, it never would have happened. And they looked down on you. The ones that there were people that I knew in the church as well as other places that had it. And they really looked down on them if they knew knew about it, the ones that knew about it. And um, 
I listened to people talking and a lot of the things that they were saying was incorrect. And, uh, but that made me very careful about what I said and whether or not I would allow someone to uh, know that I was HIV. And here in the South, I find that it's worse because a lot of people are just ignorant of the fact of what it is, what kind of disease it is, and what it means to be uh, non-detectable. They don't know anything about it, but they just have their own opinion of it. So they st it's still a stigmatization there. And like you mentioned, HIP, that's a, it's a, uh, HMO in New York, mm -hmm. a lot of people are part of. So it's it's also been a great resource for people to be in programs like that. And then moving here, you were able to have your insurance cover your medicines and your doctor's visits. And your right. Yeah. And um, but I have been lucky enough to have good health coverage all the way through, even moving from the north to the south. I still had good coverage, so I didn't have a problem with that. But it can be a problem for some people. Right, so costs of medical care have not been a problem for you. At one point, the medicine got really, really high. I was spending a lot of money every month to cover my portion of it. But I found a program that took care of that for me. So you have to... You do have to seek things. If you want help, you've got to seek it. If things uh, get out of hand, it's up to you to find a way, you know, to make life easier for yourself. Yeah. So some things have changed and some things haven't. Exactly. And something that I talk sometimes about with folks in the clinic is, especially people I've known a long time is back in 1995, when you first were diagnosed, you know, could you possibly have imagined that you could be here today talking at age 75, you know, embarking on new careers, you know, mm. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> would it have even been conceivable that, you know, 2023, you would be, doing things like this or doing all the other things you do? No, I never even looked that far. In the beginning, basically, I was told almost that mm. you've got to be able to take this medicine. And even with the medicine, you're lucky if you get two years. Mm. Uh, and at first, like I said, I was I felt like it was a death sentence and then time, as time went on, and especially once I got on the uh, therapy that I'm doing now, I realized that I felt better than most people I know that didn't have it. I didn't have any other ailments at the time. It's only been a couple of years ago that I started taking the high blood pressure medicine, but it runs in my family. Almost everybody got high blood pressure in my family, so I can't contribute that to HIV or the medicine. So um, just thinking, it was, I guess it was more like day by day. Mm -hmm. The more I realized I'm not sick, you know, I'm still functioning. I'm doing everything I was doing before. So it didn't make me feel like 
I was going to die soon or it was good, you know. And then I'm, there was other people that I knew had other things like cancer and diabetes and different kinds of things. And they were dying from these things. And so I said to myself that, you know, it doesn't matter what you have. You don't know when you're going to die and nobody else does, but you have to try to take care of yourself. And I found that if I didn't let myself get all stressed out, which I did in the beginning, I was stressed out because I kept thinking all these different scenarios. But once I got a hold of that, I was fine. I just kept going and say, whatever it is or whatever it's going to be, it's going to be, I have no control of it. So I was fine from that point on. Yes, I think there's there's a lot there. And I think part of it, too, that I think about is um, there's folks who, who do really well. You're, you're a shining example of that, um, despite the challenges presented by testing positive for HIV and having to deal with all the medicines at a time. We didn't have great medicines and made you sick and relocating mm -hmm. and, you know, being able to benefit from things we have now. But I think there's lessons there for like why some people do well and some people don't. And one thing obviously is your state of mind. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about like what you think makes a difference that is in your control that you've been doing and that you might recommend for other people too. Well, one of the things, like I said, when I first started going to the specialists, um, they were all not encouraging and so it just made me feel like um, if you can't encourage me, where am I going to get encouragement from? And I learned how to encourage myself. I, I felt very uncomfortable dealing with some of the doctors because they made me feel uncomfortable because they seemed like they were uncomfortable. And it wasn't until I got the doctor and that my friend recommended the one that you know, that I felt like, you know, I was able to get through this. And um, there was someone that was really concerned and I read a lot and I brought a lot of information back to him. As a matter of fact, at one point he told me I need to stop reading, but I kept reading anyway. And I begged him to let me stay on this regimen that I'm on now. He didn't want to, but I begged him and he did. So I think getting the right doctor means a lot. It's got to be someone that's not only interested in you. It's got to be someone that's also passionate about what they do. And that's the way I feel about you and the other doctor. I think that you are very passionate about what you do. And that's important. And I really appreciate it. So I think that's a lesson for a lot of people is, you know, show, show your provider, you're interested that you're, you're there because yeah. it is a partnership, right? You keep kind of hinting at that. There's got to be a partnership here. If you don't have a good partner, it's not going to, you're not going to be able exactly. to do it. Right? Exactly. You mentioned faith and, um, you know, everyone has different beliefs and different opinions and we don't talk about this, but I do believe that some folks really just have been able to use faith and rely upon faith. And you've mentioned faith in a different ways, certainly the religious faith, the faith in your doctors, the faith in mm -hmm. the medicine, 
but also your religious faith. And I think that also has played a strong part of how well you've done and how so many people do do well through adversity. It has really. And like I, I spoke about um, my doctor that I had, my primary doctor that I had, and he also spoke to me about faith and and how I shouldn't give up. So it started from the very beginning, even though I was into the church at that time, but he made me want to go deeper and to believe in something and trust something more than just what the world is saying or what the doctor is saying. And recognizing that um, we're not really in control of life and death. So we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know what we're going to die from. So I have to keep that in my mind. And why should I be afraid of something that I don't know and anybody else don't know? I think everybody should try to have something they can hold on to. And faith is one of the most important things. But like you said, faith in your doctor, faith in you also and definitely faith in religion. Well, you know, this is great because again, during a clinic visit, we talk about things, but we talk about things a little bit differently. So it's great to have a like real conversation with you about yes. parts of your life that we really haven't focused that much on. But but I have to be honest that I kind of guessed at and and I'm not surprised by much of what you're saying, although it really encourages me um, and it gives me a better perspective of like what you're about and what you've been about. And so again, thank you so much for taking time out and for sharing so much of yourself with me and everyone who's listening today. You're quite welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Patient Voices in HIV Management. Please go to the activity page on practice.cme.com to complete the post-test and evaluation to receive continuing education credit.